Okay. Freak out about it. Just don't freak out about it. Okay. Don't want you to, you know, lose your cool <laughs> at a crucial moment of the show. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't want to have, you don't want there to be anything like that in the show. Because the show is supposed to be, have a calming effect. I don't know if we discussed that in one of our pre-show meetings. <laughs> it's... Saturday, August the 28th, 2021. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane Show. <laughs> Sorry. Ah! <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, so here we sit. Uh, like birds in the wilderness? Like birds in the wilderness. And there's an errant mask sitting over there on the ottoman. Not mine. Okay. I think it's one of mine. And uh, has everybody noticed how when you're walking down the street now, instead of discarded Starbucks cups lying down the ground everywhere, there are discarded face masks lying on the ground everywhere. It is so weird. They are everywhere. You know, I don't know if they're blowing out of cars or if people are just dropping them. I, I don't understand why a person would drop a mask on the sidewalk. I... On purpose, I mean. I mean, I like someone even... who would litter, but would litter with it, unless they're carrying old ones around in their back pocket or something. But, you know, don't you feel like... I got myself a cup of coffee here, and I'm going to take me a sip. We may have skipped over some other topics to get to the, <laughs> to get to the face. Yes. Yeah, I am an angry. I definitely do. <laughs> yeah, Because, you know, it's been a hectic the week here. Litter. It's been a hectic week here in Lake Amphetamine, as per usual. <laughs> oh. Things have been happening. I think my most resonant event this week was our trip to Whidbey Island. Well, of course, that's Wednesday. mine too. We got to hang out with uh, Marjorie Richards and Nancy Reinhold and Amy Reed and Brian and Scooter. Uh, I can't remember the name of Amy's dog, or I would mention Amy's dog too. Beautiful dog. Beautiful dog. Both beautiful Both beautiful dogs. dogs and beautiful people. And we just had just this kind of, it felt, didn't it feel like we were in some sort of uh, enclosed space that was like, it's like stepping onto Fantasy Island or something like that? <laughs> yes, yeah, it just it felt did. like, because we got to take a ferry boat ride, which you and Diane and I both love riding on the ferry boats. And, and, and then driving across Whidbey Island out past Freeland to where these, uh, this little cabin was that they were staying at. And we had no problem getting on the. I mean, we just. Yeah, I know. We just drove up to the, on to the ferry, ferry and, and got was, on the first one. Yeah. At the right moment, I it, know. that was seemed kind of magical in itself. The whole thing, Diane. The whole thing. The whole thing. Was one of those guys. Of course, I mean, I've noticed that getting together face to face with friends anytime now oh, has so is just precious. yeah. It's just because it's we've been without it for so long. That when you get to actually do it, it's uh, extraordinary. But these are extraordinary people, you know. I think those three are probably some of the most creative artists I have ever known myself. And I feel a little intimidated by the, just their creativity is just, I don't know. It I don't, I didn't even uh, have any time to spend with Marjorie and Nancy before mm-hmm. this, I had met them at one of your concerts, and I have been quite an admirer of 
Marjorie's because I had uh, I had participated for some reason I used to get tapped to be a judge for some of the events I think just my involvement with Victory Music right. and songwriting contest probably your involvement with the Victory Review album too oh maybe I yeah. don't know but I had been tapped at one point to be a judge for Bumbershoot and then songwriting is it a songwriting contest or just a performance contest uh the judging what are you judging oh the the Bumbershoot I was judging um whether I was in a group that was judging various singer songwriters whether they could perform at Bumbershoot oh, on the grounds of the day yeah and that was a miserable experience by the way yeah I imagine it was I, was I ever one of the people you were judging? I wouldn't even know because oh. they weren't even... Uh, one of the things that was so annoying is there was this guy who was a radio... Oh, like an A&R guy or something like that? He's the guy he who was, listened to 30 seconds of every song? Yeah, yeah. but he, he just would say, oh, I've heard enough. And it was just like 30 seconds into the song. And, and some of us we're trying to say well wait a minute you know we'd like to hear more and he was he was kind of swaying the whole uh group that was i i hated it because i was thinking there's no way that you can judge from 30 seconds into a song right. what what that song is right. but it did give me uh, an appreciation of saying whatever you submit to these things Put up your best song first, you know, and and something that's something that's hooky, hooky, yeah, Some, something that's got a payoff and there's some kind of a payoff in Within the first thirty, 30 seconds. seconds. <laughs> I felt they like, always wow. said, you know, all the stuff that I read said you got to get to the chorus, you got to get to the chorus quickly. Yeah. So even just do a half verse and then do the chorus and then then get go into a longer verse pattern. That's that was that was brutal. Yeah. And that so anyway, having that experience, but but I also right. was tapped to be uh, along with, and that's that's the thing that always made me feel a little shy because it was with Neil Woodall and David Maloney mm-hmm. were the other judges, and we were at Lake Folk Fest. Just uh, there was a guitar I think that they were going to right. a Tacoma guitar to prize to the. To the winner. winner. And it was a songwriting contest? It was a songwriting contest. And I don't even remember the other contestants that day. And I think I might have known some of them. But uh, Marjorie's uh, song she did in my backyard. And I was totally, uh, I just was blown away. And so was... David and so was Neil and there was no no contest contest <laughs> at at that point. Yeah. But yeah, Marjorie, so I have been admire. I bought the record that uh, or her CD yeah. here, right. and um, and I loved it. And so I had been an admirer of hers for a long time, and so when I met them at one of your concerts, uh, Marjorie and Nancy. I was feeling a little shy because you know there's a a feeling like oh my gosh this these this Marjorie is that for like almost forty years yeah I know That's when you crazy. told me that I was just like wow but then uh, you had been doing the singer songwriter 
I mean, the songwriter's circle with Nancy and Marjorie and Amy. And so you were sharing with me some of the cuts and also shared some of the cuts that Nancy did with the Weird Sisters as well. And then I was such an admirer of both of them that I, when you invited me to this event, I was... I was feeling like, oh my gosh, you know, because I didn't know them. And I was, I was thinking that I'd feel more shy uh, around them than I ended up feeling because I instantly felt like, these are my people. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I just... It was like the first time I went over to their house and I hadn't met Nancy before. Uh, she hugged me right away. I think, I think Marjorie had probably talked me up a little bit or something, I felt exactly the same way. There was absolutely no. These are sense. my people. Yeah. I just felt so still, comfortable. I'm still intimidated by their talents because they're just uh, really, I don't know. Marjorie's got, is such a disciplined writer. Um, and Nancy's songs are just, I don't know. I think Nancy's songs remind me of Farron. They've got that kind of uh, just a. She just resonates outward from the, the lyrics to uh, a, a very unique place. And uh, the sense of scope in the songs is... They, they, they take big bites out of life in their songs, and their songs have a purpose. Yeah. You know? uh, it makes my, all my songs feel kind of accidental, you know? And I'm sure they feel the same way, but I mean, it's it's just a, it's a, I feel there's a mutual admiration society going on there, but I just their talent. Well, and then Amy's too. Yeah, like Amy's the same way. I would group her exactly in that they're such unique voices, saying such important stuff, and they have yeah. s- and they have such a unique delivery, and everything about them is just unlike anything you've heard before, but it works on such a deep level. Well, and I, I want to say that your observation at the beginning of it being like this, trans, being transported to some other place, because the, the view was incredible. It was yeah. a beautiful sunny day, but not hot. We were sitting out on the deck, uh, this gorgeous view with ospreys and was, eagles. There were, there were three and... osprey that were nested in the top of a snag that was right out there. It was easy to see them. It must have been a, a, a couple of osprey and their nearly grown offspring or something because there were three different birds flying into that nest. And it was just wonderful to watch that. But and I then, think and that then the thing... conversation was... Yeah. You know, the thing that I love is being able to laugh with people. And I kind of feel like we laughed and laughed and laughed, and I just felt in heaven. And then also having Scooter there (laughs) to pet. I I always have a tendency to attract dogs. I think that they know how much I miss having a dog around because they always come up to me any time I'm in a, a party of any sort and there's a dog there. They always come to me and um and i just am in seventh heaven to be able to pet a pet a little dog it's true it's true it was fun so that happened yeah 
and uh, the rest of it's been kind of, kind of, kind of a bummer for me. Yeah, you've had a rough physical time recently. Yeah, yeah. but you know, I still feel jolly most of the time. Yeah, you are jolly. Yeah. I mean, that's why I was telling you the other day. I was saying thank you for being so jolly, even though you're in pain. So. Probably, it helps. Probably the St. John's work. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I think it's your general nature. Well, and I had a really, the other highlight of my week, besides the intense joy of going out to Whidbey and being with those wonderful, wonderful women and you, was uh, having a conversation with my brother uh, yesterday and then Shelly thereafter. And one of the reasons why it was important to me was sort of observations about how to disconnect one's brain from the, the guilt of having to do all the time and that this, this is related to retirement it is related to retirement but i i think it's just also related to life in general life in yeah. general yeah. because i was talking to him about the fact that in our family there was a lot of encouragement for us to be creative in the artistic realm but only to a point and he made this tremendous observation from his point of view, which I actually wrote down because I didn't want to forget it, he said that he always felt like everything that we did had to have a positive direction towards an end goal. And that uh, really stuck with me because, because it really was sort of like, well, if you have a positive direction for this. So I was telling him, just as an example, I can watch Shakespeare, which I love. You know, I love, passionate about watching a, a Shakespeare play. Right. And that would have been okay for my family because in their eyes, there was a, that had a positive direction of an end goal of perhaps education of your mind, uh, perhaps being seen as a cultured person, you mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm not anything to do in my parents' eyes with just the pure joy of it, but sort of an end goal of... Enrichment you, of some kind. Yeah. yeah. But, but they did encourage all those things. They encouraged my brother's uh, acting, because he was an incredible acting, but on, uh, actor only to a point. Right. You know, not, don't pursue that as your job. Don't... Don't it's get good that too, you, It's good that you have this experience, but don't you know? Don't get too passionate right. about it. Don't don't go overboard in this. Don't try to make a life out of it because so, it's not practical. Yeah. Ultimately. Yeah. But it really made me think about the different generations and and their concerns and why they would have been concerned. I'm not blaming my parents for no, that. No. You know, they came from a no. childhood of. Depre the depression and the uh, war and a lot of want and 
very uh, the lack of physical comfort and then they gained that physical comfort for them and for us for their children and they didn't want us to neglect that i think yeah that was the biggest thing don't neglect the fact that you need to have a a firm stability underneath you but what it led to because my mom was an artist and she didn't really, because we didn't even know about it when we were kids, she didn't really express it in an obvious way where she was actually drawing um, in front of us. She would do express it in the house. And so I just feel like that's one of the tricks of mind that I have to overcome is I'm starting to get out of that necessity to work for for just surviving Mm -hmm. and now how do I allow myself to just be in the world and that phrase always was odd to me to say well you know being versus doing and I'd always think like Wally in the in the my dinner with Andre well what does that mean? Right. Just being, you know, yeah. we're just going to do something. Either we're going to take out the garbage or we're going to, but now I, I think it's, uh, it's really that you are participating in an activity that doesn't have that end goal. So something about my brother saying that the positive direction towards an end goal made me think, Oh, it's when you're doing something that may have positive direction, but may not have an end goal. That you're divorcing yourself from that uh, end goal being a monetary or... Right, there's a... I mean, the the end goal has a lot to do with reward. Right. So you, you you take that out of the equation and it becomes a different kind of experience. So, for example, I was even saying to Gary, well, I think a lot of it has to do with what he was talking to me about with the idea that after retirement, you're going to miss having somebody basically saying, great job, you know, you've done a wonderful job. And when I was talking to him, I said, you know, I was thinking about that while we were saying this thing about the end goal. And and it made me realize that a lot of the work that I've ever done has been praised because I just did a lot of it that other people didn't want to do, right, you know, right. that I was a hard worker and I went over the top and I gave 130% and all that sort of thing. Yeah. And I would like to get to the point in my life that I feel that my approval within myself is as important as some external approval is. And I would like to to figure out how to do that. I certainly am not there yet. Well, I think that my experience was having an absence of the work responsibility, it turns on switches in your head. It's just kind of like you have some downtime and then you start thinking, okay, so I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And it's kind of an automatic thing. For somebody who is want who is seeking uh, to have meaning in their life after retirement, I think you find it 
it's only the people I think that think that all meaning is now gone from their life after retirement. Yeah. And they don't know what to do with themselves and have trouble. I think it's like, but you, you know, you've got forty ideas <laughs> about what you want to pursue. <laughs> at least forty already in the hopper. <sighs> so it's going to take you some time to work through those. So I don't, I'm not worried about you. And uh, this... but I understand why you, you worry because I I've gone through that too. Well, in this conversation with my brother was spurred on by the fact that I have started to read The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. Now, a lot of people have talked to me about this, and I had already read a book by her a long time ago that was given to me as a gift that was called Vein of Gold, I think it was. Hmm. And so I never read The Artist's Way because I thought, oh, well, I've read this other book by her, and it was wonderful. And She's actually the reason why I first started, uh, I mean, her book uh, was the reason why I first started doing collage work, Mm. Um, because she had had this idea in that book that you should, if you had a problem, you should collage it. Just take whatever, whatever came to you and not try to make sense of it, why you're putting it down on the page for the problem. And, uh, and I did that. Um, and thought it was marvelous. I just loved doing the collaging, and that sort of let me, led me to a different sort of collaging eventually. But I really like the questions that she poses about the your own point of view about your creative self. You know what what was your family thinking about it? What and that's why I was asking Gary because my my feeling was that my family did appreciate creativity in a lot of forms because especially my mother was an artist even though she wasn't doing it mm-hmm. at that time but it was always in our family well keep it you know we appreciate this we want to be appreciators of art but just keep it in this little corner over here you know right like so i almost feel like i have this mental image of my creative self being uh, kept in this small space and yes you can do this but don't don't take up too much space right. and i would really like to have i want to let that um my creative self out of that little room basically <laughs> and and into a broader yeah, I had this, a, a similar experience to yours. My father especially was concerned with practical things, especially where his children were concerned. And uh, he was always encouraging me to do something else, to have something to fall back on. That was a big, big uh, term in our household, in my upbringing. Fall back on? Yeah, something having something to fall back on. He always thought I should major in journalism, you know, or something like that. Yeah, but it's, you see, it's, it's still writing. But, you know, it's got practical applications. And I was kind of like, you know, Dad, I'm not interested in journalism. You know? It was just a discussion that we had over the years. Because he did not see music as a viable career path. And, you know, darn if he wasn't right. <laughs> darn if he wasn't right. But I didn't, you know, after I'd been working at it for 10 years or so, I realized that, there, that, that he was right, that this was not a viable a monetary path for me simply because I cared too much about it yeah and I was too possessive of it and I wanted it 
I wanted to maintain absolute control. So, and plus, I just realized I didn't, my ambition for something bigger, when I actually looked at what it would call upon me to do, uh, it just did not sound like a lifestyle that I wanted to be a part of. And I had limited experience with touring. Um, and I just realized that I got homesick very quickly. And, you know, after feeling it for a few days, I, it would start to be in my performance. You know? And I did not want to be the guy who got melancholy on the road. That was not going to be my a lifestyle. If, if it didn't feed me on an ongoing basis, like the first few gigs, I would get that. But then it started to slip away. And I realized that, you know, if I was going to make a living at this, I would need to be spending like, you know, 250 days a year on the road at least and always working on the next tour and, you know, in, in order to make a living. And I had no interest in that stuff. So it was, a, it was interesting for me to learn what my dad had said from a, you know, not from a practical perspective, but from how I felt inside, how, how I felt inside. And it wasn't until I let go of the, and that, what I thought of as my ambition. It didn't even feel like ambition. It felt more like dread. <laughs> yeah. And and kind of anger, and a lot of emotions about the fact that I thought I was pretty good, and I, yet I wasn't getting anywhere, because I didn't want to commit to doing the business part of it, and commit eighty percent of my time to the business part of it which is what everybody was telling me I needed to do if I was going to make a living at it. I just wasn't really willing to work with those kind of numbers where it was 80% business and 20% creativity. No, thank you. But so I, I have pretty much lived my life with, with the reverse of those numbers, 80% creativity, 20% business, and that's about how well I've done with it. Yeah. And, you know, just in the music. But I also had to make a living during but, all that time. So. But in my view of your life you have lived in the artist's way if you're if you want to take that uh, I mean you have done the creative work in your life and it has not been it, it has still sprung from you and you yeah. did not uh, shy away from it right and but it was like because that's what this book is for is for the people who have kind of tucked it away and I've never tucked it away entirely but I but I mean I tucked it so. away too I'm just saying it's a matter of scale I mean yeah it was a yeah. lot more part of my life uh, all the way through but it was a shit ton of work it made me a very busy person because what other people thought of as free time was work time for me right uh, right and so but it was never I never got to put it in the center of my plate right until I stopped working Stopped having a job, an outside job. Suddenly, I, I just naturally fell into it, completely. Uh, and I had no anticipation that it would be any bigger part of my life than it had always been. Right. But suddenly, it moved and grew, and and I didn't wasn't doing anything, except following my own impulse. And I was amazed at how much of my impulse naturally went to picking up the guitar and playing. So I suddenly found myself playing guitar a lot more and getting better at it. Uh, you know, after I'd been diagnosed with MS and had been forced to quit working, suddenly I was, quit, quit my job, suddenly I was doing my work. 
Yeah. And that surprised me. It surprised me that it just kind of happened organically. And I think I know it's going to happen that way for you too, because you have the, you have the impulse that's always been in you. And I think when you stop limiting yourself by, by setting aside your, your career, uh, your job, you're, it's going to flower because it's in you. It's just going to come out, come out. Well, that, that really provided the key for me when Gary said that our family always had positive direction towards an end goal. And I just felt like, okay, so that's something I can actually play with in my mind. What, what, is, what is positive direction and what is end goal? And uh, so all those things are, are very... That's why those those kinds of conversations are highlights for me yeah. because um, because when I'm talking about those sorts of matters, you're really kind of getting at the philosophy of life itself. I was even telling my friend Shelley yesterday that that because I worked with her and um, she knows how I work, and I said, you know, I've always felt like. I am at work. I want to be in the middle of things. You know, I want to be in where the action is. And I want to be in that place that's life enhancing. And when you get in a, in a group, as I have, where there are people who are like that and yeah. who uh, are not life draining, but are life enhancing, Man, you don't really want to exactly leave because yeah. it's so much fun to work on a project. But now I've got something else that I might work on with Shelley eventually that I'm not going to announce. But, yeah. um, but and, and also, you're now a member of our songwriting group. So, well, I hope so. Well, I, you know, the, the feeling I'm getting is that, yeah, you're in. I don't know. I haven't heard from everybody, but I don't think anybody would object. And it would be good. Even when we're workshopping songs or poetry or whatever we're doing, to have another voice there, and you could participate as much as you want, but just don't start writing songs, okay? Pardon me, I'm gonna have another drink of coffee. I think I don't know that I could handle that. <laughs> you boy. Hey, poetry, if you wanted to do that, That's good coffee. You know, songs, I, don't, I just don't think I could be comfortable <laughs> with that because you'd be probably too good at it. No. So, anyway. Well, I the other, the, I would be honored if I would be able to participate in, in being around these amazing, yes. amazing, talented, people. wonderful people. People. It's true. Yeah. Otherwise, and also, I had a great conversation with the big guy, Alan Hicks, this week over Zoom. I had a great conversation with my sister over Zoom. We had the Westminster basement and the. Fellowship of the Rocks last Sunday, and that was, was that last Sunday. It feels yeah. like it was longer ago than that, man. I know. Yeah. Yeah. We have concluded our study of comedy. Study of comedy. And now and we're on a break. We're on a like a we're break, on a school a break, break between semesters, and then we start the Hollow Crown. Man, this has been <laughs> one of the most enlivening and wonderful experiences of learning that i have ever had yeah. in my life i feel so thank you fortunate Bill to participate in that yeah. 
So just in case anybody else, you know, you won't be able to join our class since it's a closed class, but you might want to, uh, you know, we'll be exploring the Hollow Crown series on... Um, and I want to keep mentioning the uh, the Shakespeare Uncovered also. Yeah. Which is a documentary uh, series about Shakespeare and his plays that is also... It's like a companion piece in my mind to the Hollow Crown because it gives you the story that Shakespeare is telling so that you can then you can just watch the artistry uh, more clearly when you're watching the plays. But this is like... Like when you were in school and you had a teacher that you really loved yeah. and you couldn't wait for the quarters to start because you were thinking, God, I want this quarter to start yeah. so I could hear what they have to say. Uh, that's the way I feel because this is not going to happen until October, I think, was the time. And I'm just like, no, I want to do it now. Yeah. But yeah. Anything yeah. worth having is worth waiting for. That's yes, what said in the Tootsie, true. Tootsie Pop commercial. But the Hollow Crown has amazing actors yeah. uh, performing the amazing works of Shakespeare. I've used amazing a lot in this uh, conversation. Have you? But yeah. Oh, I hadn't noticed. Don't mean to, you know. I hadn't noticed, but then I'm on drugs. So. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of amazing. Oh, I thought you were going to say, speaking of drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we? Yes. We've got a couple of songs for you. I don't know if we've, we've probably played the... Have we played? No, maybe we haven't played them before. I don't know that we asked for permission before because right. they were rough cuts. Right. So they rough cuts. Marjorie Richards is a, an, a consummate songwriter, as is Nancy Reinhold. Uh, but Nancy is not currently writing songs. And But she... These guys are good. And... They've got jobs, and they don't have many opportunities to perform. They don't have m much time to devote to the music, kind of like what we've been talking about. Yeah. But yeah. they are fully committed artists, and they are a, uh, uh, a couple of people that, when you see them together, you, they're just, you know that they were meant to be, you know. Um, and Amy and Brian are the same way. So we've got a couple of Marjorie songs and with Nancy singing harmony for you. And may I just say... May you. you may, may I? You may. The harmonies are perfection to yeah. me. The When I was in... The way their voices blend yeah. is, is just uh, intensely cool. But harmonizing is such an art. When I was in choir, the the whole point that you were trying to get to is to blend it so it sounded like one voice. Right. And so many people don't understand that about harmony. And when I hear people harmonizing as Nancy and Marjorie do, it it just... It's uh, thrilling. It's thrilling. Yeah. It, it, it's amazing, to coin a phrase. It's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is. But it's beyond but amazing. It is like it's, it's wondrous. It, it's, it's, it's miraculous. Ha it's happening in your body. You know, it's not just something that you hear with your ears and yeah, it lifts with your brain. It, it lifts me yeah. in my heart somehow, mm -hmm. and right. and especially because I know it's not something that everybody can do, and I know that when somebody does it well, I just have such great appreciation for it. Right. So. And Marjorie has a gift for melody that invites harmony 
Uh, so the songs are, are crafted in a way that the, it's, I don't know, something about Marjorie's writing is very magical for me, very affecting. It was there on her album here, and it's in all the work that she's done since then. So she's just really good. They both are. So it is our our honor and our pleasure to share with you this treat of an experience. There you go. phone is ringing and the bathtub is filling and she is about to get in it. He says, I didn't call to talk much, just to use up the last of my minutes. And it's cold here too, she says, and I'm in the middle of something. But I'll call you soon I will I will Call it bravado Or simply denial Or just hasn't dawned on him yet his children have gathered in hope of a word and all he says is i've got no regrets and his oldest son says dad anger's one hell of a legacy and it stops right here it's done with me, with me. Death is knocking at your door. I know you can hear it. Don't you want to say what for? Maybe rail against it. I think of all the things you've said as I'm cradling your head. And I finally see a soft spot Don't you wanna say you tried? Don't you wanna say you cried? Don't you wanna say you loved us? But it's you And you say you're looking forward to The last hour of the last day, the last minute
I'm proud of you She says, Dad, everyone's watching But do you know it's true? I do, I do, I do Must a woman walk Before she walks Safe as a man How many times Must she fly away home Before she can sleep When she lands How many stones Must rain down Before they're forever you why women hold up half the sky how many tears can a mountain resist before it is washed to the sea on how many dollars must a woman subsist Before she can stop working for free How many times Does anyone of us Act as though we do not see The answers in the wind I ask you why Women hold up half the sky the sky is beautiful half the sky is blue half the sky the stars rising Lives are human lives, not weapons or spoils of a war. And how many times girls' bodies, whole lives stolen and sold? How many stories must get told? Half the sky is beautiful, half the sky. 
sky, the stars rising. Beautiful, 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 beautiful. 